Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're living in a time when fear would be very easy. And I want to talk to you today about converting your fear into faith. How do you do that? How do you go from one to the other? What's the difference? How can two people see the same circumstance and come out with a different opinion? The God factor is always going to be the answer. If the God factor is factored into any challenge of your life, I'm here to tell you that God is going to put faith into your heart. Faith to overcome in the moments of challenge. And I can tell you that trouble, it, when, it, when it comes, and it comes to all of us, ease, does, it, ease never reveals faith. It's a great time for you to get the Word and to get faith and to get the, the raw materials of faith, which is the promise of God, no doubt. It's a whole lot easier to get the Word when things aren't flying apart. But when they do come, the trials and the tests come in life, that's when it reveals how much faith you've already got. You don't know how much faith you've got until the challenge is on, until trouble hits. If you're more prone to magnifying God in the midst of trouble or belly aching, that's going to be How do you know? That's how you know. And so we develop our, time, our faith in times of peace and private moments with the Lord. But when trouble hits, that's when you've got to pull your faith out and actually use it. And so trials reveal how much faith you've actually got. And so what do you do when fear comes knocking at your door? You've got to convert your fears into faith. And there's a conversion. There's a way to do that. And so we want to be able to do that as best we can. You know, and there's this great passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians. And in, and in the, the first chapter, the 10th verse, it says this about God. And it paints a before, during, and after sort of a picture about God. And this is what it says. That He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Come on, have you set your hope on him? It's three things he said he'd do. He has delivered us, he will deliver us, and continue to deliver us. Come on, try it. He has delivered us, he will deliver us, and he will continue to deliver us. And so that's what he promised. You know, we've been through a few things over the last 20 years. How many of you remember Y2K? Anybody remember the, the turn of the, of the millennium and so forth? All the computers supposed to freak out and every, everybody starve? Well, that didn't happen. And of course, everybody, of course, remembers where you were on September the 11th, 2001. And then anthrax being delivered in the mail. Or 2002, we had West Nile virus. We had 2005, we had the bird flu. In 2006, we had E. coli. We had bad economy in 2008. We had the swine flu in 2009, BP oil spill in 2010. 2012, the Mayan calendar said we're all toast. In 2013, we had North Korea, Rocket Man. Not Elton John. <laughs> but understand, I mean, we've been through a lot of stuff. 
And so why would we consider it a strange thing to have stuff going on now? Mind you, it's unprecedented, but the God who was faithful at Y2K will be faithful now. Amen. If you brought your Bibles, look at Romans chapter number 8, because Romans 8 is going to tell you something about your daddy, your heavenly father. Are you connected to him enough to trust him? If you're not connected enough to trust God, maybe you got religion and not a relationship. Or maybe it just needs to be cultivated into a place where you feel the tenderness of God upon your life. Where you live in the kiss of God. Because not everybody has that. Some folks just have religious arguments and Bible facts. And that's, about as, that's the reason why they're kind of treated like they were born in a test tube instead of born again. But understand today that God wants to embrace every single one of us. That in the time of our trouble, we know where to run. Hallelujah. And so I'm not suggesting that we don't say trouble's not here. I am just saying God's bigger. Why? Because he says in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. How many of you love God? Come on, at home, how many of you love God? And you're called according to His purpose. In other words, you know He's got a design for your life. Amen? And so He'll cause all things. It doesn't say everything is good. It says He'll make it work for good. Devil wish He hadn't messed with you at the end. And then He says in verse number 31, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God's for us, Who can be against us? Mm. He who did not spare his own son. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. How many of you have a son or more than one or a daughter? Let me see. Okay. How many of you could give your son or daughter for the likes of those who would reject you? Consider the length that God was willing to go and stop choking on what he wants to do for you today as if somehow or another he stopped being who he is. He spared not his own son but freely gave him for all of us. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Whatever you need. Hallelujah. Come on, how many of you thank God he's El Shaddai and El Chipo? Amen. Hallelujah. He's faithful. Amen. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Amen. You know, I found out that there's a lot of folks in places of influence that are real dingbats. That's unction from the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. Like, why in the world would I want to make the United States like countries that people are trying to escape from to get to the United States? Hey, hey, hang on a minute. Don't clap. I'm not done. Why would somebody get in a raft and face the challenges of open sea in an inner tube to get to a place 
that looks like where they came from. And how stupid do you have to be to want that? So, it's not that we don't have a lot of work to do, but we just need to understand that in the midst of whatever dingbat thing is going on, whatever it is, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword And he says in verse 37, knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Through him that loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. And so let me give you a little bit of response about what is a biblical response to the stupid that's going on. And we'll all leave and go to lunch and have a good day. First of all, James said, count it all joy when you fall into divers' trials and tests. It didn't mean it was a joy. He said you have to count it joy. It's kind of like when you're a kid and your mom says, eat your broccoli. It's not a joy, you got to count it joy. Are you with me? Understand today that God wants us to be able to track with Him no matter what it is that you face. God didn't fill you with the Holy Spirit to spoil your rotten. He filled you with the Holy Spirit because you're going to need the power of heaven in your life in order to do what God called you to do. And we've done 31 years of just trusting God making a difference wherever we could, trying to get behind us the whole religious competitive thing back behind us and stop acting like we're all on a different team and start saying, listen, I'm just glad you're pastoring in the same city with me. Let's all take them together. Any other thought pattern just sounds a little bit more like egos and logos to me, and I'm not interested. Believers that are mature are at least supposed to be able to share well together. And so I'm hoping it's true. And I've met a lot of pastors that are more political than they are Christian. You must have met them too. (laughs) Trials come. So James says, count it all joy when you fall into different trials and tests knowing this. Now, unless you know this, you'll never be able to count it joy. Unless you know something. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I've got some inside information. <laughs> uh, come on, whoever's in your living room right now, tell them, i got some inside information. And this is what you need to know. That in the process of using your faith, it's going to make you have to endure and stand, having done all to stand, stand therefore. There's endurance in the walk of faith. That you just don't bop things on the head with your gospel wand and blast things into blessedness. Understand, the, the process of faith will grow you up. 
Amen. How many of you work out? Better question is, how many of you don't work out? <laughs> Woo! I didn't expect that. Drop and give me 20. <laughs> Golly. Here we are. God's frozen chosen. Couch potatoes for Jesus. Here we are. <laughs> Pass the stuffing. Well, at least in theory, most of you must believe that if you get underneath a weight and push against the resistance, that it actually builds strength into you. Glad you at least have the concept. <laughs> Perseverance. And so he says, let perseverance or endurance, the ability to stand and keep standing for the right reasons, and the energy behind that is to a, in a joy category. You're standing with joy. I've met a lot of folks that they're standing, but there ain't no joy in around them. Just pray for me to not hold on and hang on to the end. Oh, God. I'm just a rough road and poorly shod. No, count it all joy. Knowing this, that the trial of your faith will work patience, but let patience do what it does, because at the end you'll be perfect and complete, wanting nothing. That at the end you win. And that what he said? I'm sorry, honey, it's a crying shame. So you got to know how to convert your fear to faith. Amen. I upset people like that sometimes. <laughs> Secondly, one of the things you got to know that in the midst of the trouble, there's a whole lot of folks that have no faith at all, and the only thing they have to read is the circumstance. And it's killing people. There's all kinds of people that are vulnerable that had help before all of this, and now their help is dried up, and their hope is gone. And they're dying by suicide and drug overdose like unprecedented numbers. And the World Health Organization, who doesn't know which ends up, are actually acknowledging you got to lose some of these quarantines because the, the cure is worse than the disease. And so, again, we've, we've got all of this stuff going on. And so... We need to provide support for those who are during this time need the kind of help that comes from people that have got faith that can step into them and say, listen, I not only trust God for me, I can trust God for you too. And I'm here to help you. I'm here to step into the trouble with you. You're not going to have to face this alone. I am here with you. I trust God. Let me tell you how much you can trust God too. And all of a sudden you show up with hope in your face and you are a different animal to these people. They don't know what to do with you with hope in your face. Because the, the environment they're used to being in doesn't have anybody like you in it. When you step into the atmosphere with hope and faith and the testimony of the Lord on your heart and in the countenance of your face, you show up and you change the atmospheres of rooms you walk into just because hope lives in you. 
Why? Because you know all things are going to work together for good. Because I love him and am called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And so how do you do that? In Acts chapter number 2, we had a pattern of people that would reach out to folks who had needs in their life. And it became the New Testament pattern by which the church grew. Did you know that it wasn't just about assembly and talking about the Bible? But the New Testament church was about reaching out and touching the felt needs of people and fellowship and connecting together. And it was in that connection. It wasn't just good preaching. Come on, get in touch with your inner shambok and have a good church meeting. I'm just here to tell you it was about love. It was about believers, sincere, full of faith, full of the apostles' doctrine, a breaking of bread, prayer, gathered together, praying for one another, seeking God together. It's the way the New Testament church was born. Now, if the, the the most intimate environment that you've ever had is looking at the back of somebody's head in a church service. I'm telling you, you are getting robbed of where the really the rubber hits the road in life. It happens in real time. It happens on Monday. Jesus is great at Mondays. You should try him sometime. He's an expert on Mondays and Tuesdays too. He does all these things so well. But we walk around like, you know, the Wizard of Oz. Yo, we, yo, yo, yo. Until we get to Sunday, and then it's woo Then we hit Monday. Yo, we, yo. Come on. He's faithful. Alpha and Omega knew today was coming. And has already made the way... And they were together doing it. They even sold their properties and possessions so they'd give to those that had need. They wanted resources. They just sold stuff so they could give it away. They were invested in making this gospel work in the lives of people who knew not God. Or maybe the best that they ever had was religion. And so the Bible says that every day, say every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together had glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Come on, that's the way this thing's supposed to work. Now, what would you have to change about your life to make that happen? To do that? I didn't just come to tell you about it. I came to challenge the ideas that will keep you out of the will of God are the ones that don't comply to the will of God. Patterns that are not biblical, but we've learned to accept them because that's just where we live. Like being disassociated with people except at church and calling it Christian is not a New Testament pattern. Because there's people right now that if you showed up, you would shine so brightly that you'd be impossible to ignore. And when they see you, they're going to see Jesus. Hmm. I want when people see me, I don't want to think about Pat. I want to think about Jesus and how good he is. Are you with me? Come on, how many of you know all of us are temporary? One of these days of Jesus, Terry's, they're going to throw me in a box and put me in a hole. Okay? I think we're going to hit the rapture. I'm fairly certain of that. Okay, settle down, settle down. (laughs) But I have a lot of my friends. And the older I get, the more there are that went to heaven. 
Lots of them. What a reunion day that's going to be. Hallelujah. One of these days, I'm going to see him face to face again. I just want you to understand today that the challenges that are before us right now, people need to know there's hope in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 24, 25 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Okay, what did he ask you to do? Consider it. How you can do that. Well, how are we going to do that if we can't go to church? How are we going to do that if we're all quarantined? How are we going to do that? How are we going to? I don't know. Consider what works for you. Find somebody who's been locked up since March, beard down to here. <laughs> Amen. Take them a pizza and say, God bless you. How many of you know nothing speaks like a good pizza? <laughs> nothing says glory to God like a good pizza. <laughs> Might be something better than that. And this is what he says. Spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as the habit of some is, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And so it's important for us to really grasp the idea of what the Word of God is actually suggesting to us is a new way of doing life. Listen, everything's been redefined in 2020. With the redefinition, it has the opportunity to actually become more biblical than ever before. Or it could just get weird and compromised. So which way you want to go? Because it really is up to us. Amen. Amen. And so encourage one another every day. If, if you're bold enough, and if you, I mean, wear three masks at the same time if you can figure out a way to breathe. But don't forget to help people. They need you right now. Amen. I don't care if you're wearing a hazmat suit. Paint a great big Jesus loves you on the front of it and go help it, folks. Amen. Hmm. What? what? <laughs> Connect where you can is the point. Fear not. Did you know the, the Bible says 365 times in your Bible, fear not? One for every day of the, of the year. What's he saying? Don't fear. No matter what day it is, don't fear. Hallelujah. And so there's several things about fear. I'll bring you three of them, and I'll give you antidotes for each one of them. But there's three things that fear does, and we'll, we'll all go eat Cracker Barrel. First of all, fear breeds more fear. Do you know there's all kinds of phobias in the world? Did you know that there is an actual category of fear for people that are afraid to get peanut butter stuck on the roof of their mouth? They have a name for it. Is there a lot of suffering going on because of that? Hello? There's this long word. It's called hippo something or other or another. And, and the word is about 20 letters long. And you know what it is? Fear of long words. <laughs> no. There's fears for everything. And it doesn't have to be any one of those thousands of categories of fear. If the enemy can convince you just to take the bait on one of them, he can move you towards destruction. But the Bible says, fear not. 
fear not. Isaiah said it this way, fear not, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, I will, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, neither will the flames kindle upon you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Fear not. And when the Word of God says that for us, every single one of us have to determine whether or not we're going to allow fear to direct our lives in the wrong direction or whether or not we're going to stand in faith. And we're just going to say to the devil, bring it, dude. Let's see what you got. Hello? Come on, there comes a point when you just got to face your fears and say, okay, I put up with you long enough. Bring it. Let's see if what you've got's more powerful than the name that's above every name. Let me just mention his name and remind you that when he rose from the dead, he led captivity captive. And he paraded you around hell and made a show of you openly and triumphed over you in it. At some point, you got to stop avoiding the fight and you got to just say, okay, let's go. At some point, there was a sign out in front of the house and it said, beware of dog. How many of you know that could be a fierce thing? And so somebody's walking by that sign, and when they did, the owner of the house came out with about a five-pound little chihuahua <laughs> on, a, on a leash. And the guy said to the owner of the house, he said, he said, that dog couldn't hurt anybody. He said, yeah, but the sign can. Come on. I used to describe the devil in the dark as having this ferocious sort of a roar. But if you turn the light on, he's about this much mouth and about that big. Because his assaults are generally in the imagination. And so the Bible says that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And at some point, you got to do that. And I can't do that for you. You just got to have enough inner fortitude. The crude word would be guts to actually do that and watch what happens. Hallelujah. There's a Bible story, and I'm going to end with this. And I got a couple more things to share with you, but this story is going to help us to finish. And it's Caleb and Joshua. Anybody remember Caleb and Joshua? Now, if you're not familiar with Caleb and Joshua in your Bible, which if you don't spend much time around church, we're so glad you're here. Because thank God you're here. But there was a time for 400 years that the people of Israel were in Egyptian bondage. Didn't start in bondage, but it ended up in bondage. And God named Moses was raised up to go bring deliverance to them and bring them back into the land that God had promised to a guy named Abraham. It's known as modern-day Israel this, today. And God promised the land to Abraham. It's the reason why the property still belongs to them. Amen. And so, so we had this, this magnificent Moses encounter, and he brings them out through the Red Sea. I mean, mashes Pharaoh and brings them out. He brings them to the Mount Sinai, gives them the law, and then he takes them down to the Jordan River. And over the top of the Jordan River is the land that God promised to Abraham.
And so one of 12 tribes of Israel, one leader of each one of those tribes was asked to go in and spy out the land before they stepped across the Jordan into the promised land. So they went over there and found out it was a beautiful place to go. However, there's giants in them there hills. And so they came back, 10 of them came back and said, it's a beautiful land, but man, there's giants over there. There's walled cities and armies and big spears and ugly people. And I'm going to tell you right now, we are, we are grasshoppers in their sight. Come, how many of you know if your self-worth goes to the bug stage that you're really in trouble? That's where they were, grasshopper size. But Caleb, the Bible says, stilled the people. And he said, then Caleb quieted the people and before Moses and said, let us go up at once for we are well able to take the land. Now hear me now, we're converting fear to faith. At that point, you had two, two reports. Now let me tell you what the ten spies came out with. Man, they were demonized. The spirit of fear jumped on them. What they came out with was a factual report. These three million some odd Jews have been serving Pharaoh. They've been hard labor, not training for warfare. They haven't been preparing for 400 years for occupational conflict. These people were just serving Pharaoh. And now they've been let loose by the power of God. And so they see these guys and what they said was, <laughs> We're not able. The problem is, and this is the problem that's going on right now, is that people took the God factor out of if God be for you, who can be against you? Now, I can tell you there's a whole lot of things in this life that are much bigger than me and would scare the out of me. And you too. But the God factor says, if God be for us, do you know if he's for you or not? I mean, God's been blamed for a lot of stuff that he doesn't do. But when you believe God and begin to trust him and know him, that he begins to set this brand new thing in, in our hearts and, and understand Caleb and Joshua, the Bible says, came out with a faith report because they factored in that if God's for us, who could be against us? I know he's been a cloud over here and he's not going to be that, but he's still for us. Amen. That he can handle Pharaoh, even these Canaanites are no problem. And this is what the word said. In Hebrews chapter number three, the Bible calls what the ten spies came out with was an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now you have that choice today. Do you live in fear or do you walk by faith? Consider the God factor and let God be God. Amen. Lastly, fear misdirects our energies in the wrong direction. Tony Hall went to Calcutta and visited a beautiful little gal about, about four foot nine. Her name is Mother Teresa. He looked at the desperation of the billion people that live in the Calcutta area and so forth and the desperate needs and the millions of people on top of one another and Tony Hall looked around in hopelessness and said how in the world do you fix this and Mother Teresa this big looks at him and says just do what's in front of you 
And then she started doing what was in front of her and left Tony alone. He said that moment changed his life. I don't know what kind of life-changing moment you need, but I can tell you this. That greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And that he will never leave you. He has purpose for your life. You were, listen, uh, catch it now. You're born for this day. You're made for this. Stop complaining and get in faith. Convert your fears to faith. Make all your fears have to face him and watch how he talks to them. And you're going to find him to be fairly ruthless with the things that want to trouble you. There's two things you got to do. you got to pray. And I mean sincerely, spend some time talking to Jesus about your circumstance. The things you're afraid of, bring it right to him. And I mean when you pray, pray and then allow him to speak back to you by opening up your Bible. And take the promises of God, and I'll just show you how to do this, like Psalms 91. It's a great place to spend during this time. The Bible says, considering Psalms 91, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Just change the pronouns and make them personal. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And just keep changing the pronouns and start speaking the word over your own life until you're receiving what the word says to you. It's translating in, into the general us category into this is mine. By his stripes, I am healed. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And at some point... That begins to take over the inner agenda of your own life. It's called faith. It's the way that the patriarchs made faith work, and today God wants to do that for you. Come on, somebody. Let's all stand to our feet. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.